Welcome to the visitors also. Welcome again. Um, so we are starting, as I mentioned, a four-week series, series called When God Builds. I don't know about you, anybody in the room. Maybe you've had this unction of building something, maybe a new house, maybe a new bathroom, uh, or you wanted to accomplish something, uh, or you wanted to, to do something of significance. And so instead of you running, you find that the people normally closest to you are those that, that would try and talk you out of it. Some even might try to oppose whatever it is that you want to achieve. I remember be, you know, when we started the process of adoption, uh, there was quite a lot of our, our friends, well, some of our friends and family that was really supporting to, to the idea. But then there was also those that, that tried to talk us out of it. Some even opposing the thought of adoption. You know, and that opposing, you know, we get daily. Wherever we walk, uh, we get that opposing. And so when we, we start the series, When God Builds, people's attitudes and positions differ from person to person towards God's plans. Like we experience, and maybe like you experience when you try to build something, or achieve something, or do something, the reaction that you got from people differed. And so likewise, when God builds, we see the same happening. People's attitudes and our positioning towards His plan differ. We see those that are actively involved, want to be involved in what He wants to do in your life and through your life. But then there's also the passive. And in some instances, those that oppose aggressively or just oppose what God wants to do in and through their lives. And so, as I said in this series, we're going to unpack that a bit. And so we're going to look at the book of Nehemiah in the next four weeks. And so you can open your Bibles with me, Nehemiah 6. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about when God builds... It involves people. When God builds, it involves people. Amazing idea or thought to think that this God that can do anything and everything because He has created everything still involves people in His master plan. And so, when God builds, He involves people. And so, I want you to sit there this morning firstly thinking, God, what is my position? What is my attitude towards what you want to do in my life? And secondly, what is my attitude and my position towards what you want to do through my life? We saw just, or we heard just amazing testimonies again this morning of, of what God did and are still doing in marriages and through somebody's life and salvation and freedom. So what is it that, that the Holy Spirit is saying to you this morning about your attitude and your positioning? You can open your Bibles with me at Nehemiah 6. So let me just give you some context here. In the original uh, translation, the Hebrew Bible, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah was one book. And they give an account of the fulfillment, both these books give an account, the fulfillment of God's promise to Israel that He gave through His prophet Jeremiah. You can make a note, Jeremiah 29 verse 10, where God gives them the promise whilst still being in exile that He will bring them back to their beloved land, their beloved city, and that they will rebuild it. And so we read how this 
is actually unfolding in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And so you need to read it together. This is not separate things that happen. It happens continuously together. And so in Nehemiah 1, we see that he is a cupbearer, serves in the court of the Persian king. And he receives this message of this wall, the wall around Jerusalem that lies in ruins, and it touches his heart deeply. There's a time that he prays and fasts for three months after receiving this word. And so he, feeling called, compelled to go and rebuild the wall, then approaches the Persian king to ask for permission to return to Jerusalem, verses, or chapter 2. And the king grants him the opportunity to return. And on his return, obviously, this plan, he is met with mixed feelings. Some people even oppose the idea, Jews oppose the idea of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. Some people even try to kill him. And so it's with this context that we start reading in chapter 6, verses 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul. In 52 days, note that, it is important. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letter came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechnayan, the son of Ira, and his son Jehohanan, who had taken the daughter of Mishalam, the son of Berit. There's a lot of those names this morning, as his wife. Also, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And listen to this. And to be our sent letters to make me afraid. Father, thank you that we can open your word this morning. And I pray that as we open your word, Holy Spirit, that you will minister to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so I can just imagine the newspaper headlines of those times. You know, the Jerusalem... Uh, Times newspaper. Please don't quote me. There was no such newspaper I'm imagining. So just imagine with me. Just imagine the headline, something like, around Jerusalem in 52 days, or Nehemiah, the master builder. What they did, they did in less than two months. 52 days, they rebuilt the whole wall. Now, to return from exile to Jerusalem took the people, depending on where they found themselves, two to three months as long or longer than it took the people to rebuild the wall. Okay, so they were amazing builders, skilled builders. What is the big idea and why is it that the fact that they accomplished this in 52 days makes their enemies, those nations around them, exclaim that this work could only be done with the help of God? And so the answer to that question is found in the wall. Here's the specs of this wall. There's a picture, some of the pictures that I found of how the wall looks today. Can you just see here at the bottom, the man and his son walking, just in relation to the size of this wall? Listen to the specifications of this wall. It was 4,018 meters long, so 4 kilometers long, 12 meters high, 2.5 meters wide, 
It had 34 watchtowers and eight gates. And so to understand, and I know we've got a lot of construction people here, and you've already understood what I'm trying to say, but let's bear with me because I'm definitely not in construction, and so this just wowed me, and so allow me to wow the rest of the people. To build this skilled uh, contracting company in our day and age, modern age, what will it take them to build and rebuild, and will they be able to rebuild this wall with all the skill they have, according to these specifications, in 52 days? And so obviously, definitely not in construction. I asked two friends, uh, Louis that's sitting there at the back, he's got his own construction company, and I asked um, Alan, Alan Reed, who's a QS and also in construction, uh, for their professional opinion. And so this was their feedback. Now remember that these people did it in 52 days. And this stirred fear in the hearts of their enemies and the nations around them. And they exclaimed that this could only be done with the help of God. Why would they say that? Well, just look at the, the, the quantities. And this is estimated quantities that you would need to build a wall like this. 8,036 cubic meters of concrete. So to further explain that, it's 1,340 ready-mix deliveries. So trucks delivering 1,340 deliveries it will take to deliver this concrete. And so if you had to do that in 52 days, it means 26 deliveries every day for 52 days. The clay stock bricks, you can see the amount there. It would take 5,231 deliveries. Do you want me to say that? No. 5,231 deliveries, 101 deliveries per day. Now immediately, if you're in construction, you see the issue. You see the issue of things being on time. Building sand, 37,686 cubic meters of sand, 7,533 deliveries, 144 per day. Cement, 188,343 that was measured based on 50 kilogram cement bags. 509 deliveries, 11 per day. Now listen to this. An average bricklayer team will take approximately 8,370 days to complete the wall. 22 years. 22 years. An average bricklayer team in today's age will take 22 years to do what these people did in 52 days. And so obviously I asked them, okay, but to do it in 52 days. To build the wall in 52 days, masonry only, the laying of bricks only, would require 1,609 bricklayers, 3,218 laborers, and 134 supervisors working nonstop and without rest. For 52 days, not sleeping, not stopping, not resting, not eating, not drinking. This is what it will take to complete this wall. And this, after all I've said, is based on the fact that the deliveries will be on time as they should. And this excludes the 34 watchtowers and the eight gates. And so to my construction friends, anybody want to tender for this job? Louis raised his hand in faith after he told me, no, he will walk away. 
I think the estimated cost that he worked out was 78 million. It will cost 78 million rand to build this wall. It's amazing. It's mind-blowing to think that these people accomplished this in 52 days, not having all that we have to their, to their exposure, to their demand. And so it makes sense that they are then filled with fear, exclaiming that this could only be done with the help of God. You need to understand, they perceived that God left them, that God left Israel, that He deserted Israel. And that's why Babylon took over the land. And so when they saw the, the number of days it took to rebuild the wall, it took Nehemiah and the people to rebuild the wall, they once again were filled with fear because they were reminded what this people, God's people could do if He was building with them. And when they were building with them, they were reminded of what happened when the people entered, Israel entered the promised land and how they conquered the promised land, how they walked around the, the city of Jericho seven times and the walls came tumbling down with God's help. And so they were reminded. And that is why this verse says, and, they, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. And so here's the thing that we need to understand about God just from this passage. Impossible does not exist in His presence. Impossible does not exist in His presence. Is He present in your relationships? Is He present in your marriage? Then impossible does not exist. Is He present in your life, in that what you are trusting for, your future? Because if He is present, fear should not exist. Because impossible does not exist in His presence. Your struggles, is He present in your life? The things that you are hoping for and praying for, is He present in your life? This awesome God that we see in Isaiah, where Isaiah tries to, by man's words, explain the greatness of this God that holds in the palm of His hand all the water of this planet Earth. He holds it in the palm of His hand. Is He present in your life this morning? Because then nothing is impossible. He spreads out the stars like a curtain, it says. He measures the sand of planet Earth in weighing scales. If He's present in your life, nothing is impossible. But here's the amazing thing. This great God that can do anything and everything because He is the Creator, there is nothing before Him and there will be nothing after Him, He still chooses to use us to be involved in His plans and His building plans. He uses people to build into your life what He wants to do. And so from the Scripture, we see three groupings of people. Three groupings of people. And their alignment towards God's building plan. And we're going to focus on these three. First, we see 
that those with Nehemiah that were totally involved in God's building plan, they built with God to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish in 52 days. They were invested. They were involved. That's the first group. Second group, as we see, is those that seeks God for their own interests. They want God to be part of their building plans. And we're going to unpack that now. And then thirdly, we see obviously the group that just opposed whatever God wanted to do. And we will look at them. And so the first one, those that were fully involved, committed to what, what God wanted to do. In Nehemiah 3, you can, you can go and study that. It gives a list of names. Amazing how God, in His wisdom, would honor these people by mentioning this, their names in His word. Those that were part of building, each by name. But what struck me about reading chapter 3 is the occupations that these people held. Go and read it. They were priests. The high priest himself built. They were goldsmiths, perfume makers, temple servants, rulers of provinces. They were all busy on the wall building. And so obviously, they weren't skilled builders. This weren't an average building team. And so no matter their gender, their occupation, or their status, they were all invested in God's building plan, in what God told them to do. They, if any, had the excuse of two things, either not being skilled or not having time because of all the other things they have to do. But yet, they chose to align their hearts with what God was trying to do by building the wall around Jerusalem. And so the question is, when we think of just where you are at, does this grouping this morning speak to where you find yourself towards God's building plan for your life, what He wants to do in and through your life? Because we see that their hearts were aligned 100% with God's building plan. Unlike the noble Jews, which is the second group. The noble Jews, in verse 17, Moreover, this is after the wall was finished, Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. And so, the nobles, the Jewish nobles, the wealthy, they had trade arrangements with Tobiah, the Ammonite. And so, with the wall not being built, it allowed them to trade freely without anybody governing over the way they were trading. People could enter and exit the city without any restriction, and without anybody monitoring what they were doing. So the building of the wall did not benefit them. You see, they wanted to have the benefit of the city, but not be bound by the rules that the city was about to put in place again. They wanted the full benefit, but on their terms. They wanted to serve Jesus, but on their terms. You see, the they took on the attitude and the position of being passive, but also somehow aggressive by sending letters constantly to the enemies of Nehemiah. Because the wall did not benefit them. They had everything they needed. And whatever they did not have, money could buy. God was just an add-on. The wall would just be an add-on to what they already had. You know, they would, 
they would find themselves mentally thinking in a place where they did not really need the fear of God to be established again. They did not need God in their day and age because He did not fit in to their plans. So just thinking of so many things that are happening around us, do you find yourself at a place where you still need God? And so the third group, those who opposed God's building plan. In Nehemiah 4, verses 1 to 3, we see the enemies. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And listen to what he says. And he jeered at the Jews, and he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Looking down on this people. And he's speaking down on them. What are these feeble people doing? Verses 3, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building is a, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone walls. Can you see the pride? Can you see how they are belittling those that are on the wall busy building? This was prior to the wall being finished. And so with the wall being built and finished around Jerusalem, the economy, security, and trade was restored the way it should have been. And so obviously, the enemies would not want this to happen, which is why they opposed the building and even tried to kill Nehemiah on more than one occasion. Because this definitely did not fit into their plans. Definitely did not fit into their plans. Verses 16 of chapter 6. And when these guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid, listen to this, and fell greatly in their own esteem. These feeble Jews, they fell into their own prideful esteem. Yes, a fox would go up to this wall and it will fall down. You see, in the presence of God... The impossible does not exist, but the pride can also not remain standing. The proud cannot remain standing. God is busy building. Now, we all maybe have had these dreams to build, to accomplish, to do something of significance. And you've experienced just people's attitudes and people's positions towards what it is and was that you wanted to achieve. But God is building. And so in reading this and looking at these three people groups, the question needs to be asked this morning. What is your attitude and your positioning this morning to what, towards what God wants to do in and through your life? See, God is busy from creation. He created man to, to resemble Him and to worship Him. From creation, it was His his idea, his plan for man to resemble him and to worship him. And that plan has not changed. God is still forcefully advancing his kingdom through the cross, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The kingdom was established. And he is forcefully advancing his kingdom. And he is still wanting a people that will resemble him and that will worship him into eternity. 
And in this, all of that, that what I just said, God involves you to be part of this plan. And so what is your attitude and your positioning towards this master plan of the one that holds the water in the palm of his hands? Are you fully involved in what God wants to do in and through your life? Are you fully involved this morning? You know, it's easy to sit and think, yes, I was there. I thought, yes, I'm fully involved. I'm fully invested. I want to achieve what God wants to achieve in my life and through my life. And then the call came at the age of 19 to go into ministry. And I remember, I'm in, I'm fully invested. And then I sat with somebody really close to me. And so sitting around a, a dining room table, this individual asked me, so, Donny, what is it that you want to do with your life? And I was busy in ministry. I was involved in, in sports ministry at that stage. And so my response was, this is what I'm busy doing. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It gives me no greater joy and pleasure to see how people's lives change when God steps in. And so this individual sat back and he said, sure, you have no ambition in life. And I want to stand here this morning and say to you, and I just brushed it off, and I just kept on going, but that would be a lie. I stepped out of ministry. I stepped out of ministry. Because suddenly, God's plan for my life did not fit in to what the world wanted to see from me. And suddenly, I perceived that there's much more than just maybe what I was busy with. And many years later, studying corporate world, God calls me back in 2000 to son and I back into ministry. I remember clearly the day when I went and resigned. A mentor of mine in the business world looked at me and said, Donnie, what sad news it is. You have so much to offer. I want to stand here this morning and say to you, and I just stuck it out. But I would be a liar. Two years later, I found myself back in the corporate world. You see, I went on this journey of what God wants to do in and through my life is not as important as what I can do in and through my life in this world. And I want Him to join in my plans. And three years ago, lo and behold, He calls me back. back into ministry. Something that he wanted to do in and through my life the day I was born. But it did not fit into the world's plans for me and my plans for myself. Are you fully involved in what God wants to do in and through your life? Or are you more interested in your own investments, your own dreams, and your plans, and you're asking him to join. And whether he joins or not, this is what you're going to do. And that's the story of my life until I reached this young age I did. Why are you sitting there this morning? I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I don't want to hear what he wants to do in my life. 
And I'm definitely not interested to hear what he wants to do through my life. I don't need a God. I don't need a God to dictate to me what I need to do. You see, normal women and men like those in this room this morning came together with hearts that were totally aligned to the building plan of God. And they accomplished the impossible in 52 days. Just imagine, just imagine quickly what the church of God, church as a whole, can accomplish when our hearts are aligned with His plan for a broken world. We will not see orphans anymore. We will definitely not see poverty anymore. We will not see the broken anymore. Because that is not God's plan for this world. Just imagine what this church can do. If our hearts are aligned with His building plan in this city. Just imagine what God wants to do through your life where He has placed you. If you align your heart with Him. I see a city totally transformed if the church of God aligns its hearts with Him. The impossible does not exist in His presence. And as I'm saying this, I'm seeing doubt. Yes, city transformed. Wow. In His presence, the impossible does not exist. He holds together everything. And this morning, He wants to involve us in His building plan. And He's going to accomplish this. Whether you are on the wall, whether you are standing next to the wall, passive, or whether you are aggressively opposing what He's doing, He will accomplish the work that He set out to do. And He is inviting you this morning to be a part of that. Father, thank You. Thank You, God, that You are an almighty God. Thank you that nothing is impossible for you. Thank you that you hold together everything in the palm of your hands. Thank you that there is nothing before you and there will be nothing after you. That we can hold on to the fact, Father, that in your presence, nothing, nothing is impossible. When we think of our relationships, when we think of the environment where we are finding ourselves in, Nothing is impossible for you when you are present and we are aligned. So I pray just for each individual in this moment, Holy Spirit, will you minister? Will you minister unto us? Just in this moment, just going to allow your time for this word just to speak to you. Which of these three people groups this morning resembles you?